0: Hi, everyone. You're listening to Who I Met Today, and I'm your host, Pam Lamp. I'm all about doing one tiny new thing every single day. And on this podcast, I invite you to come along with me and discover something new through conversations with people from all walks of life. I hope you enjoy listening to these interviews and exploring new territory with me. For more people stories and episodes, please visit my website, whoimettoday.com. My guest today is Dr. Melissa Langley. If you've ever considered Botox or are just curious as to what all the fuss is about, this episode is for you. Dr. Langley is a leading dermatologist in Nashville and is here today to give us all a Botox tutorial. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi Lisa, thanks so much for being here today. My pleasure, Pam. I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, before we dive into all things Botox and help listeners decide whether it might be something that they are interested in looking into, can you give us all a cocktail version of your background?
1: Sure. I uh, went to medical school at Emory in Atlanta. After I finished medical school, I moved to Nashville to do my residency at Vanderbilt. I had matched into internal medicine residency, so I did that, and I got boarded in internal medicine before I went directly into dermatology. So then I did another three years and got finished over 30 years ago. When I finished my residency at Vanderbilt, I was on the faculty for a couple of years, and I also sprinkled in private practice because I wanted to try to decide Did I want to do academics or did I want to do private practice? And ultimately, because I like to be in control, I ended up (laughs) starting my own
0: practice. Yeah. And how long have you been practicing? Let's see here. Really over 30 years. I would say 32 years. Yeah. So a good long
1: time. I feel like I know what I'm doing, but I can't believe that it's been so long because literally it doesn't feel like that at all. It seems like yesterday I was just beginning. Well, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate you being here today and offering your expertise. Well, I'm so excited. Well, I want to talk about Botox. Okay. First of all, could you define that for us? Is that a generic name? Okay, Botox is a
1: brand name of the generic botulinum toxin. And it's type A. There's various types of groups, but the A tends to work the best in reducing muscle movement and wrinkles. And so Botox is a brand name. They were the ones that got the approval to begin with, which was in the I believe it was in the 80s to treat wrinkles. And there's other brands you might be familiar with, one called Disport. There's a new one called Daxify. And so Botox is the brand name and most people know it because it was the original and it's been around for years.
0: And it's my understanding that physicians use Botox for other purposes than cosmetic. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly right. And then The story I love to tell is about the two doctors that discovered Botox Cosmetic. They were a team, uh, husband and wife, Dr. Carruthers. Jean Carruthers was an ophthalmologist and her husband was a dermatologist. So Jean Carruthers was using Botox for blepharospasms or, you know, unwanted movement around the eyes where someone would kind of be winking all the time involuntarily. Sure. And she went to her husband and said, oh my God, on the side that I'm doing this Botox for this blepharospasm and the winking, they're not getting any wrinkles. And so that was their aha moment. And they ended up starting Botox Cosmetic and experimenting with it. And then they're the ones that kind of brought it to market. And that would have been in the late 80s, I believe. That's a good story. I like that. And here's the great thing is I go to a lot of international Botox meetings and meetings at the American Academy of Dermatology and the Carruthers are still there in the forefront, you know, talking and teaching and coming up with new techniques. The last time I saw them last year, they were starting to do different types of treatments, new treatments in the neck and always pushing the envelope on where can this cosmetic Botox be used. So it's, fascinating. And when I go to these meetings, they have a patient and they'll ask a board of world's experts, like, how would you inject these people? And everyone has their own technique. Everybody does it the way they want to do it. So a lot of times I tell new people that I see, if they've seen others, every doctor has their own way of doing Botox. Don't think it's incorrect or correct if I do it differently.
0: Well, let's start with someone who comes to your practice and says, I have wrinkles. What can Mm -hmm. you do for me with Botox? Yeah. As you
1: may or may not know, there's different types of wrinkles. There's wrinkles at rest which are more a static and sun related wrinkles. And then there's dynamic wrinkles, which are produced by facial movements. So our expressions will really give us more deep in edged in wrinkles. And so that's kind of what I always start with is I hand them the mirror and say, well, what's bothering you? And then while they're looking in the mirror, I will have them to move their face. Now, doing this for, you know, 25 years, I can always tell who's really moves their face a lot. And they're kind of hyper expressive because they truly have deeper etched in wrinkles than just naturally occurring wrinkles that happen with aging and sun damage. So I always have them look in the mirror so I can
0: find out what's bothering them. And then I kind of address what that is. Now, can you do anything for... The sun-damaged wrinkles, or can you only treat the wrinkles that come with the expressions?
1: Well, with Botox, you can mostly treat the wrinkles that come with expression. But with the static wrinkles, you know, there's other procedures, whether it's, you know, different skin preparations that incorporate a retinoid or a retin-A, or you, know, you can even do laser or filler, those types of wrinkles will be more addressed with those procedures. But the dynamic wrinkles where just from expression is what the, the toxins
0: do. Okay. So I come to you and I mm-hmm. want my expression wrinkles treated. So yeah. what happens? What, what do you do to me?
1: Okay. So the first place that the Botox cosmetic got approved was the globular area, which is the area that kind of creates that mean look, the 11s, or some people just have a single kind of hatchet mark right between their eyebrows. Oh, up on your forehead. Yeah, that's on your forehead, which is called the globella between the eyebrows. Now that's one group of muscles. That group of muscles is your depressors. And then above that, is your forehead muscles, and that's what elevates your eyebrows. So those two muscle groups are in opposition. And so my favorite thing to do is really the globella, which is between the eyebrows, because that kind of gives you a mini lift. It gives your eyebrows an arch. It takes the skin. If you have any skin on your eyelids, it kind of pulls that up and makes you look more open-eyed and more rested. And so that's a really gratifying place to do it. Most patients really appreciate it, that they get a little mini lift and it makes them look less intense, less angry, more rested.
0: And my understanding is it's not a drastic difference. They're not going to walk out of the office and people will say, what did you do to yourself? Is that correct? Not at all. Pam, everyone is
1: different on the onset of action of their Botox. Some people say they see an improvement within just a couple of days but it can take as long as two weeks. So I always say, you know, don't be disappointed if you don't see anything in the mirror in the next few days, give it a full two weeks. And particularly when I've never seen a patient before, I always have them come back in two weeks so I can do a check and see if that dose was appropriate. I'm always going for kind of middle ground. I never give too much in the beginning because I don't want to make someone look too good if they don't want to, and I can always add more. So I always like to tell them it could take up to two weeks, and then I recheck them.
0: Is it that noticeable, though? I mean, is it possible that someone would look in the mirror, and they'd think they looked a little bit more rested, but they really couldn't tell if the wrinkles had been improved?
1: Particularly, particularly, Pam, younger patients, you know, they can tell a little bit more than, let's say, you and I can, because... Our faces are older and then we have a little bit of slack skin, a little bit more (laughs) depression in our faces, but younger people definitely can. I remember one time I injected this lady before a wedding to, well, I never do it two weeks before a wedding. I do a month before a wedding because I want to make sure I can see him back in two weeks and tweak it if I need to in time of the wedding. So when my patient came back, she goes, oh my God, I think I look too good. I'm like, are you kidding me? You look fantastic, but I wouldn't say you look too good. (laughs) That's the only time I've ever had any complaints that
0: someone quote unquote, looked too good. I love that. So how do you do it? Tell us about the needle.
1: Okay. So, you know, when you come in, I, clean you off. I also use ice compresses because the most common risk involved in giving the Botox is a little bruise. And so we tell people before they come in, you know, don't take aspirin, Advil, Aleve, ibuprofen, because that can all potentiate your bruising. I would say the bruise rate generally is about 5% or less. Anytime you stick a needle in something, it's possible that you'll get a bruise. So what I do is I clean the skin well, then I do some ice compresses. And literally before every stick, I have the person to express themselves so I can see exactly how the muscles are moving. And then that's where I put the toxin. And, you know, a treatment of just the glabella or between the eyebrows usually takes five, 10 minutes the whole treatment may last 15 to 30 minutes, depending on how much you get and if you add other areas. But it's a very simple, relatively painless procedure. And with the addition of the ice compresses, I feel like the needle stick is not anything that hurts. I mean, I use the tiniest needle, which is a 31 gauge, which is so small.
0: What other areas might someone want addressed Well,
1: the other thing people like to have addressed is the crow's feet or the smile lines. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's particularly just around the outside of your eye. And again, I have people smile to see how much they're expressing themselves. And in general, I always like to leave a little bit of a smile line because that keeps you looking natural if you alleviate all the smile lines then it makes you look a little strange that you're not having any emotion at all. So the crow's feet are good. And when you do the crow's feet, not only does it soften up the smile lines, but it also gives you a little mini lift of your lateral eyebrow. So particularly for people that have a little, you know, extra skin on their eyelids, it can help to lift that up. And so that's a nice area as well. I think maybe one of the hard, well, the hardest area as far as up in the top of the face is forehead, which people have a lot of horizontal lines. A vast majority of people like to raise their eyebrows when they talk. And so this gives them these deep horizontal lines in their forehead. And so what I try to do there is feather in some Botox there or some toxin. If you give too much, though, in the forehead, then that can end up dropping your brow. So I always say like with when I inject, I'll do the globella because that kind of props your eyebrows up. Then I'll go and I'll do some in the top of the forehead, which are the transverse lines that tend to be kind of prominent in people. And it's kind of like walking on a fence. You do a little here and a little there and you come up with a balance. It's yin and yang. The lower face can also be treated with Botox. And I do a lot of lip injections and chin injections and also at the marionette lines or the angles of the mouth where the the lines can go down and make you look like a marionette. I can do <laughs> something in, in the muscle there. And Sorry. so, you know, you can have a, a full face of Botox, but I always say I try to Photoshop you. I don't try to look like a different person. You don't want to look like a different person. You just want to have a little softening and uh, Photoshopping.
0: Now, you had said no Advil or aspirin before the mm-hmm. procedure, what mm-hmm. about after? Are the restrictions are on what you can and can't there's, do? There's
1: none after. And I can tell pretty much immediately if somebody's going to get a bruise. So if I do give somebody a little bruise, then I start using the ice compress. And then as soon as that kind of stops, I mean, you could take Advil or Aleve really later on that day if you were to get a muscle ache or a headache or something like that. But I always say Tylenol is always your friend. It's a pain reliever without giving you any increased risk of bruising. It doesn't do anything to your platelets, which is what these other ingredients do. And so Tylenol, the week before you get an injection, and you know you can use it right after the injection, but if someone does get a bruise, then I have them hold off a few hours on taking the ibuprofen or Aleve, something like that.
0: Is there anything else that you um, warn patients not to do? Well, I found that... Of course,
1: you want to not lie down or manipulate the area. And I tell patients not to lie down for, you know, I say four to six hours. If you do need to recline, then you just keep your head up, you know, on a few pillows or recline in a recliner to where your head's up. I've noticed also that if you exercise hard that day and you work up a sweat or put more blood flow into your face, I think it decreases its effectiveness. So I Try to tell my patients not to exercise that afternoon and not to get too hot, particularly in the dead of summer. Even if you're going to go on a walk and there's all that heat and humidity, it could increase the blood flow to your face. And I think it decreases the effectiveness of the treatment. And you don't want to touch or manipulate. You know, you have to be. And I give instructions thoroughly and say that if you do need to go home and put on makeup, just always like rub up don't rub down because if you rub down around the eyebrows or the or the forehead then
0: you could have a brow drop or something like that. Lisa, what do you say to the person who says I would never get botox because we're injecting poison into our system?
1: Well, that is conceptually a fact. I mean, this came from the Clostridium and it is a food toxin that if you ingest some food that's got that in it it can actually give you a systemic paralysis but of course we're using it in minute 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 portions and we're directing it right into the muscle and it's all made in a lab so it's completely sterile it's completely safe and i just say you know there's so many things in the world i don't feel like this is something that we have to worry about that it's a toxin Mm -hmm. it's you know kind of made in a lab, in a controlled environment, and it's minuscule amounts compared to what, even if you were to take what you were fixing to inject in your forehead or the globella and put it right into a vein or something, it's such a minute amount, it would do nothing to you.
0: How often do you see your patients coming back for repeat injections?
1: It's variable. You know, people kind of recuperate from the toxin injection at their own personal speed. I have some people that tend to recuperate quickly, gobble it up, and they might be back within two and a half months. I have other people where it lasts a longer period of time. They might not come back for six months to eight or nine months. I had a young patient years ago that was probably about 40. She had so many lines on her face. I didn't think I would ever get those unwound. And You know, over time, when she came in regularly, every three to four months, over the course of a couple of years, she literally had to get Botox about every six months to a year. And what happens is, as your face kind of unlearns how to wrinkle like that, you tend not to express yourself as much, you know? And so I'd say the longer you get Botox in a regular time frame, the less you eventually need it. Is it ever too late to start? You know, I don't think so. I mean, as long as you have realistic expectations, you know, like this week I gave my 87-year-old mother some Botox, okay? She still loves it and (laughs) she gets a lift and she gets results even though she's 87. And so it really just depends on your expectations. If you think it's going to really change your aging or your face, it may not. But if you just want a little refreshment and a lift and just a softening, then you will be happy. You know, people that have a lot of expression lines, my mother didn't express herself that much, so she still gets a really nice result. But people that are very overly expressive, it will be harder to unwind those deeper etched in wrinkles from their expression. You know, I've got another young girl that I've been seeing for, I'd say, maybe five years. She started when she was in her 30s and she's in her early 40s now and she virtually has no wrinkles and she had the deepest expressive lines. Now, the patients that have the most deep expressive lines, I might not be able to unwind that, but even people that I have had that were younger, like in their 30s, early 40s, that I did on a regular basis, they were able to really unwind those deep lines. And when I've been at some international conferences, the South Americans tend to make fun of the Americans. They say we chase the lines and we really should be trying to prevent them. And that is becoming a little bit more common now in the United States. I have a handful of patients that are young. They're in their late teens to early twenties. And I only do it if I truly think that they need it. They have very deep expressive lines already. So I do have some patients that are younger that are doing it just for the prevention. I think when people do are overly expressive, that you need to start Botox early and not let it form and then chase your tail to try to unwind the lines.
0: What about men? Do you see as many men as women in your office? You know what?
1: One day, a few years ago... I saw more men than women on a particular day. And it was a day where I was doing nothing but injections. And I remember telling my nurse, I can't believe how the tides have changed. Like I had more men than women (laughs) that day. You know, it's not always the case, but men do care about how they look.
0: I have more men wanting to look refreshed and a little less tired Well, I know that when we were talking earlier, you said that in all your years of practice, over two decades, you've never had any problems with Botox patients. You've not had droopy lips or eyelids or any bad results. I might have had one patient that didn't like their eyebrow. They may have gotten a little
1: lower than they wanted, but I've never had any debacle to where I felt like oh my god this is horrible and anytime you're injecting muscles and you don't know that's why I have people to express themselves every time before I give them an injection so I can watch the muscle move so I know exactly where it's going to go but I've never had any problems major problems but there can be that's one of the potential risks that when you sign the consent you have to be willing to consent that hey, I could have an eyelid droop or an eyebrow drop or something like that. But I'm very conservative and I don't try to always hit a home run. And so I think if people do get into trouble, maybe they're either trying to do too much or they don't know the anatomy that well.
0: Well, it sounds like the bottom line is get recommendations, do your research, go to someone you trust. What? should you consider when choosing a practitioner? Because I know there are non-doctors who do Botox. Yeah, there's a lot of non-doctors. And i say
1: that I'm sure there is a lot of good ones because I know some of them that are nurse practitioners. I would have at least a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant that may have a little bit more training than say, I don't think any Esthetician should do it or somebody that's not medically trained, but I'm not sure exactly what the law is in Tennessee. I know recently that I found out in Alabama that nobody except doctors can inject anything in Alabama. In Tennessee, I know it's at least nurse practitioners and PAs can do that. I'm not sure about whether a regular RN, just a, a regular nurse can do it. I haven't done my research because at my office, I inject everyone. I've never had anybody to inject anybody because it's my responsibility and I'm kind of a micromanager and a control freak. (laughs) I always mix up my own Botox. I always mix up all my own neurotoxins because I'm the one responsible and I don't want to have someone that maybe makes a mistake and tells me what dilution it is because I use different dilutions depending on the area. I want to make sure that I personally do everything because I'm the one doing the injection. Okay, Pam, there's one more thing I would like to talk about, and that's the kind of non-cosmetic indications for Botox. And again, I'm using Botox. It's a brand name, but, you know, there's other toxins that, such as Dysport, Daxify, but Almost everybody that comes in to see me says Botox because that's what they've heard over and over again. And as I said, it was the first one in the 80s that got invented. But there's other non-cosmetic indications. You know, there's uh, migraines are well-treated with Botox, neck spasms where people have constant contractions of their neck and it might cause them to draw their head one side to another. That is very therapeutic for that. Even sweating, people that have a lot of sweating, you can inject it in the armpits and it completely eradicates sweating for six months to a year. I have numerous really young patients come in for that, particularly girls that don't want sweat marks on their colored blouses or their formal dresses, things like that. And that's very helpful for that. And more recently, I was reading an article about giving it for bladder overactivity such as people that feel like they have to urinate all the time they have a very sensitive bladder and you can inject it in that area and it eases that sensation because that sensation is probably caused by the contraction of the bladder so if you give that in a you know therapeutic dose it can relieve those symptoms as well
0: interesting very interesting
1: yeah and you know i'm sure there's going to be a lot of there'll be a lot of other research on other indications as well
0: Lisa, I always like to ask my guests what one new thing they've done or discovered lately, tiny or large, and I can't wait to hear what you're going to share. Well, I've thought about that myself recently, and I really want to start picking up more
1: activities As I get older and approach retirement, so I'll be able to keep my brain active, keep my body active. And what I recently did just really without in the last few weeks is I went out and took several golf lessons. Oh, good. And I think it was so fun because it not only you have to use your body, but you have to really use your brain. My first lesson was kind of like beginner's luck because I. Felt like I actually hit the ball and I was doing well. And then the next lesson I went back to, I just completely disintegrated and went down. And I think I was trying to think about everything too much, just everything that the golf pro was telling me.
0: Welcome to the world of golf.
1: I'm excited to continue to try it. And I was coming to a realization that I don't know if I currently yet have enough time to really take up the game and pursue it and practice it. But I really enjoyed just in the last several weeks taking a couple of golf lessons and learning the basics. And I'm really excited to pursue it as I have more free time in the future. But it was I felt good the first day. Then the second day, I felt like I totally botched it up.
0: <laughs> it's such a mental game. We'll have to go out sometime. I would love to play with you.
1: I, I would love it. But I'm definitely going to have to go and do a lot of
0: practice range and a lot of working on my technique well lisa thank you so much for being on the show today i really appreciate it oh my gosh you're so welcome i know that listeners will too and that's it for today's show a huge thank you to dr langley for explaining the ins and outs of botox if you enjoyed this episode and i hope you did i hope you'll listen to other episodes and spread the word about this new show A huge thank you to Brian at Top Tier Audio for his advice and guidance, and thanks to you for tuning in. And remember, I'd love to hear from you if you discover a fun new thing. My email is pam at whoimettoday.com.